Hoffman. Hello and welcome to Glitch Cube, we're a gaming podcast, and each week we take a deeper look into the art of video games. As always, I'm Christian. And I'm Chris. And welcome back, everybody. As we continue on our adventure through Spooky Month, we are going to be diving into some different types of horror games. Last time we talked about found footage games, and if you want to find out more about those, go ahead and listen to last week's episode because we mentioned some pretty good ones and also went into a little bit of the psychology behind horror itself, uh, going into some of the science there, which is actually really interesting to look up and talk about. But... There are so many different types of horror out there, specifically in media itself. There's so many different ways to portray the idea of horror, how to scare somebody, how to get someone like, you know, that skin crawling on the back of your neck, get that dry, wet sweat going, right? That just really freak people out. And, you know, there's games like zombie games out there that are really good at getting people excited. And a lot of people, when they think about horror games, that's their natural like inclination or the image that pops up in their head is something along those lines, the more action horror games. But with those action horror games, there's something there that kind of takes the horror out of it. And usually that is due to the fact that you are able to fight back. You're able to actually challenge the things that are looming over you, that are chasing you down. And that, in my opinion, kind of takes away the overall general fear of those things. Like Resident Evil is a scary game, but whenever you get all the big weapons and save up your ammo for the big fight at the end that you know, or the boss fight that's coming up, it kind of loses a little bit of that horror trope that was there. Hmm. So we're going to be talking about games that take that away from the players. They take away the ability to fight back and they really, really drive home that idea of horror. And that's going to be psychological horror games. Now, there's a lot of titles out there that deal with psychological horror, and there are some action horror games that claim to be psychologically affecting or scary, but there's some aspects there that are a little off, right? It's kind of hard to be an action game where you can shoot everything in the face <laughs> and be psychological horror at the same time, in my opinion. Now, the ones that we're going to be talking about here are really heavy handed in the way that they take away the power from the player. And they do this in very interesting ways and or they have a very interesting way in which they convey a story, whether it's real life situations, which one of the games we'll be discussing has uh, real world roots behind it, where it's actually telling the story of something that actually did happen in our world. And the other one is going to be dealing a lot with, you know, mental disorders and things like that and then we'll be discussing some other titles after that as well so we have some fun ones lined up for you so if you're ready to be scared to the bone and maybe find out some games that you might be curious about to check out not just for the horror aspect but the actual story behind these guys are actually pretty good too so sit back relax and we're gonna be getting into those right now so Whenever we discuss psychological horror games and we like we're first thinking about this idea, what kind of games popped up for you, Chris? Like what were the what were the ones that really drove home or what is it about psychological horror in video games that you enjoy? 
Ooh. I feel like I could go on for hours with this. Um, to me, when I think about it, I think... I hate to be like what most people would say, but I feel like Silent Hill, because it plays on psychological issues with the main character and the people that they're around. Mm -hmm. It plays more on... I mean... There's combat, yes. Granted, you don't really want to fight that often, you know, because mm -hmm. you are kind of weak. But I feel like compared to, say, Resident Evil or some of the more action-y kind of horror games, it plays a lot more on audio and the settings. Mm -hmm. And whenever I think about this, I always go back to Silent Hill 1, and I always think it was perfected honestly you know the audio quality was fantastic the voice acting wasn't but the sound was great you know if you had your little headphones on even though you know back in the day you know most sounds don't sound 3d and stuff that they do now but that game freaked me out and it's like you don't have to see something scary on the screen to be scared you know it's like you're your mind is playing tricks on you because you hear a little tapping or a thud as you're walking and you're like, that's not me. Like, what is that? You know, or the, you know, not being able to see too far ahead because that's all the, the console can process. Like it, to mm -hmm. me, those old survival horror games were actually like psychological than really action. You know, I feel like once we got kind of into the, ps3 360 area that's when we really saw this more like kind of like what you were bringing up where it's like you know more like oh i can just shoot them down i can beat the big bad which you know i i get it. once you get to the end of the game you want to kill the things that were bothering you the whole time but there's something about just feeling hopeless and weak the whole game you know because you're just dealing with your own mental state and makes it real yeah i mean think about with movies right think about the difference between a slasher and a psychological thriller like there's it other than just showing gore like it's gonna be like okay how can we get under your mind like instead of showing someone getting stabbed what if we show a presence moving around someone's house outside you know at night like there's something different about it. And for me, like, I feel like that's more frightening. Another thing, too, with psychological horror is that it feels real. Mm. Yeah. I'm sorry, but, you know, Freddy Krueger is not going to pop out in your nightmare. Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. Michael Myers is not going to be right outside your window staring at you, tapping on the glass with his knife. Like, Taking a gunshot to the face and getting up. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, as if nothing happened. You know, it's like, that's the, the situations you could think about be kind of scary, but like as, as you grow older, you're like, eh, that's not going to happen. But like, there's so many movies that play on the mind, and there's a lot of games that do it too. And I feel like we're starting to see those kind of games again, uh, slowly in time. I'm definitely from the indie scene, you know, I feel like the horror genre as a whole 
was saved uh, by indie developers. You know, you got to think like as time went on, especially late PS2 era, it you saw the fall, uh, the Silent Hill games that were coming out weren't that great. You know, mm-hmm. Resident Evil was going towards more action on the PS3, Resident Evil 5 and 6. Oh, God, get me started uh, on 6. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, 5 is pretty problematic, too. But um, 5 is just a giant it, anime fight. <laughs> That's what that is. I, Five is pretty cool if you have someone to play with. I, I, I'll say that, and that's at least fun. But six, I, I tried six for ten minutes, and I was, uh, I was over it. Yeah. But I think you know once I can't even think of the first indie horror game that really comes to mind um, that really rejuvenated. I mean, you got the Amnesia titles, which I think might be really high up there for me, and being kind of spooky because like again it plays on audio cues you know there's you know there's something there but it's not like you're being constantly chased and it just it works on the mind and there's so many other good ones that were missing from AAA titles you know i feel like maybe the evil within but i feel like even that was a little more actiony compared mm-hmm. to a lot of these other games uh I also feel like sometimes more of the walking simulator kind of horror games aren't. I guess they could be psychological, but they're sometimes they just feel like you're walking through a gallery or like a a haunted house. Uh, I think a game that comes to mind, and I I don't want to talk too much about it because I haven't played a whole lot of it, but I have played a little bit of it. And I can see why people that do play it and like it say it's one of the greatest games. I can also see why people say they hate it. But uh, Pathlogic 2, mm. um, it's a crazy game. It's funny because I didn't even think about talking about this game today. And now I'm thinking about it, I'm like, the game is really psychological because you are in a town trying to cure residents. But, you know, things go wrong. And it's it's one of those games where like you wanna it's a I don't know if you would classify it as an immersive sim, but it it has that horror aspect of like this illness killing off people and just scary creatures and it's it's such a fascinating game and it really gets into your mind because it doesn't just have a fear of a creature, but the fear of not being accepted by the villagers or the fear of everyone getting sick, including you dying or, you know, hunger. Like it's interesting how it plays on the fears of our necessities being taken away. Mm -hmm. And I guess you could say that about the genre in general, you know, take away our comfort. We're scared. Right. Um, I don't know. It's to me, I personally love it. I, I, I've always been a fan of it. I feel like nowadays I have to be kind of in a mood to get into it. But to me, that part of horror is always very special. And I'm always like willing to see the next best thing. Right. Yeah, there's there's a lot to this. And you brought up a good point. Like I was trying to think of what is the the game that kind of brought this era back. This this idea of psychological horrors and I, I you're right like I can't really like pinpoint a single game 
that really drove this home or brought you know brought it to its thing but it has to just be indie games in general and it was the whole idea that game making became more accessible to people so it everyone was able to tell their own story through this format which is amazing but it also gives us a bunch of crap at the same time right the shovelware and all that stuff but it's it is a really interesting idea that it almost feels like these just kind of came out of nowhere and all of a sudden we just have a bunch of games that are really playing on the idea of you know taking away your faculties really putting like some real world situations in your face playing around with sound and audio quality like i feel like triple a games were doing those things but like only doing one little thing little aspect of it in each title and then indie took all of those ideas and ran with them and made some amazing psychological horror games I, I do remember specifically with sound quality the first time I played Dead Space. Like hearing that 3D immersive audio quality, like that was that was intense. That was a lot. But of course, that's a very action-oriented game. You can shoot everything, you can take care of it all. You are stronger theoretically than anything that you're facing, because you're gonna mow everything down. But the audio in that was huge. And I feel like once we figured out that audio quality and making it more like um, a movie almost, right? The way that it portrays the the audio, this like these little sound cues that pop up every once in a while. Indy took that and ran with it and mm-hmm. just kind of kept expanding on it little by little as AAA kind of like trickle fed the the whole genre itself. So it is it is a very interesting idea there. I like that. So the first game that I want to talk about and really dive into is Detention. Now, Detention Mm. is a pretty intense game. For those of you who haven't seen it, it does have like the weird thing about a lot of these games, probably because they are indie games, right? The art style is very different than what you expect. It's almost like picture book quality. Uh, it's kind of like puppet animations with the with the the character rigging and stuff like that, but the animations themselves and the artwork is can be very dark and disturbing. Uh, and I think the biggest thing about this title is the story itself. I when reading up on this title, it, it just really kind of blew me away the setting in which it was putting forth and the amount of reach that this game actually has had. Uh, there's a movie, a live action movie that was made because of this game. There's a book that's out now, too. Like it's it's a pretty big deal. And I think it all stems from the roots of the story. Like, why is this game actually scary? So for those who don't know about Detention, Detention is a psychological 2D side scrolling game. Right. But the setting itself is in Taiwan. Uh, you're stuck in a school. And it's actually during the white terror period in the 1960s. So for some people, the white terror period, you might know what that is whenever I say it. Others, they're, it's like, um, cool, that's words that I don't know what that means. <laughs> but the <laughs> white terror period actually was a very, it was a, a time in Taiwan, uh, a pretty long time, actually, too. It was 1949 to 1992, where all of Taiwan was under martial law. So think like how the stories and everyone knows how the Germans ran everything during the Holocaust. It was basically that for 50 years, which is a very long time to be under that rule where you had people growing up as this being the norm, right? 
where anything that went against the government was treated as a, like, you can be killed for it, right? You can be executed for reading the wrong book, for saying the wrong thing, like, wearing the wrong color. Like, all of those things were here in Taiwan at that time. So I think that's what makes this really interesting because the game is set during the 60s, uh, during this time period. So it's about 20 years into the white terror period. And that's just a constant thing that is looming over every citizen that is there. Now, the setting itself is in an actual school. Uh, You get trapped in the school because of an incoming typhoon. uh, And the bridge that's leading off of campus actually gets flooded. So your character has to stay the night there. While there, she encounters one of her friends. So the main character's name is Ray. Uh, the friend that she meets up with is Wei. Uh, that's W-E-I and, you know, W or R-A-I for those of you who want to know that. <laughs> but <laughs> the the thing about this is that it's it starts out as a simple like, oh, I'm trapped in the school. Let's figure things out because Wei is asleep in the auditorium. So she wakes him up and everything. It's just kind of like basic conversations there. But then... Ray happens to like fade to black and fall asleep. And when she wakes up, Wei is hanging upside down dead in the auditorium where he was sleeping. And that's where things really start to kind of kick off uh, in in the, the horror market, right? Like that's when things really get bizarre because this becomes a very heavy puzzle game in which you have to solve different things. And as you do, you unlock different bits of the story. And one of the very first puzzles that you have to solve is you have to collect Wei's blood from the body that is hanging there in some sort of ritual. I don't know if there's a a Taiwanese ritual aspect there that might not be uh, cultured or knowledgeable in. So that's my mistake. I apologize for that. But it it starts diving into some really interesting ideas here where it starts really diving into the idea of guilt and loss and depression and i think that's one of the big things that a lot of these psychological horror games do is they really dive heavily into those areas of our psyche because it's relatable for everybody now whenever you put personify those ideas with some of these ghostly ethereal images like like demonic presences and then you add on this layer of real world fear of the government, the military constantly oppressing and just having that looming over you at all times, where if you step out of line, even a little bit, you can be arrested, you can disappear, right? And usually disappearing means you've been executed by the military and you're never going to be found again. It's, it's a very daunting thing. So as you start going through things, you start figuring out little bits of the story as to what's actually going on here. And I'm not going to go into the ending and kind of spoiling that because I think it's a pretty big deal uh, as far as what's going on. But the main gist of it is that she's jealous of a relationship that she thought was happening that isn't actually happening uh, and ends up telling on the girl to try and get her in trouble to the military. She actually Mm -hmm. approaches the military police and tells on them uh, because there is a secret book club where they're reading illegal books and sharing them with one another in this school. And she did that thinking that just that one girl was going to get in trouble, when in actuality, the entire book club was then found out and everybody was, quote unquote, arrested 
but they weren't seen again. So as you're going through the, uh, the game itself, you start getting hit with these ideas of guilt um, and how she's handling it. Uh, you get prompted with different little ideas here and there or situations in which you can act a certain way or uh, react a certain way, that is, uh, and it might change things in the game itself. I think this game might have a um, like a kind of just like an end game situation as well mm. uh, where it's just like you just succumb to the guilt and just kind of end it. So it is a very, very strong story itself. And I I'm really excited to learn more about this. I do definitely want to play through it and watch this movie because the fact that like how many games horror games actual good horror games like psychological horror games not action ones have movie adaptations that are good that are good right like i'm not talking about like the resident evils because that's more like an action game being turned into a movie but yeah like how many of psychological indie horror games have a movie adaptation can't really say that many if any besides this one right and the fact that the that somebody saw this game and realized like, oh, this needs to be told in a way that is shared with a lot more people. And the fact that they made a book about it after the fact to continue telling this story to get it in the hands of as many people as possible. Like that, that means a lot. Like that says a lot about how terrible and how terrifying this period was in Taiwan. And how real, like real, this game actually depicts that general fear that was constantly looming over everyone during that time. So I think that's what makes this incredibly impactful, and it's just, just a crazy game to check out. Definitely one of uh, would recommend this one to a lot of people, just because. Yeah, I really crazy. like the style. Yeah, like it, it looks cool. Like you said, it looks like a like a book. Like it's very like I think. I remember seeing this like a few years ago, I think, and I saw the art style and I didn't like the way the character models looked like when they were walking through the world. I'm like, oh, this looks good. They look clunky, you know? But now when I look at it, I'm like, damn, this actually looks good. Like it, it, it really does look like a story is just unfolding in front of you, you know? Like mm-hmm. it's, it's interesting. And, Every time I, I hear about this game, and I always, every time I hear about it, people praise it, but then I forget about it. And then doing this episode, I'm like, I should really just go through it. Like, it, it looks great. Like, it's crazy, like, how well respected it is. And it's from a pretty small team, from my understanding, mm-hmm. too. Yeah, Red Candle Games is the ones who made this game. And this kind of says a lot about this title, too. It's on every single system, console, everything. It's even on the Switch. <laughs> like, it is everywhere. So if you, anywhere you want to play it, you can definitely check it out. And I know that you brought up the fact, uh, before we start recording this, that uh, the second game of Red Candle Games actually got banned. <clears throat> banned in China, which is pretty crazy. To, and it kind of speaks to how real this stuff is. Yeah, uh, they banned that and detention. Um, I think detention they unbanned though, but I think their second game, Devotion, is still banned because it's. I think Devotion deals more. Uh, oh yeah, because there was a controversial Easter egg. Um, 
talking about the um, CCP and um, I always forget how to say his name. Uh, Yinping. Yinping. Oh yeah. The the president of China. Um, but yeah, I remember that it was that Easter egg that actually caused both game like just them to be banned. Like it's it's not even everything else about the story. You know, I feel like the story would be the main reason, but it, you know, it was just a little small thing that criticized the party. That's all it took. Yeah, that's weird. But that really does speak to how much the government was a like a terrifying aspect at that time, right? They had that much control that anything, any little tiny detail that kind of spoke up against the government in any way was an incredibly punishable offense. And, you know, nowadays they can't be arrested or tried or killed or executed for this stuff, so they can only do the banning. But, you know, back then, that would have been a killable offense. So it's it's pretty pretty scary. And To those wondering what the Easter egg is, because I know people are going to be like, well, what is it? What causes the game to get banned? Um, basically... It's kind of what everyone says, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say Winnie the Pooh and yeah. people will understand what that is. Basically, it's that um, on a wall. And then there's also, I think there's some transcribed words that's like basically saying like your mom is a moron or something, I think, related to that as well. So, yeah, mm. pretty strong stance. Yeah. <clears throat> it's a uh, it's pretty brave of them honestly <laughs> it really is yeah. like no joke like it's kind of shocking because most people would never do that yeah. so that's crazy Gosh. crazy all right so the next story or next next story <laughs> the next game that we're going to be going into is so before we really talk about this title i do want to give a little bit of a warning this game deals a lot with suicide depression uh and those kind of things so there might be some trigger warnings in the telling of this tale we're gonna try and keep it as light as possible uh but there will give some warning out there that there is some talk about depression suicide and stuff like that so if you don't want that probably skip ahead maybe like 10 minutes and then you'll be okay but just to just to kind of give you guys a little bit of a heads up here uh but we're gonna be talking about the game amori so on the surface amori looks like a very cute rpg <laughs> like it looks pretty damn adorable uh the, it's very reminiscent of earthbound you can tell that they were heavily inspired by that uh but the under the surface the game gets very, very dark, very, very quickly. And it is very real uh, the, in the way that it deals with these things. And I, I really do enjoy the or appreciate the fact that it has such a crazy juxtaposition between the real world, this fantasy world and kind of the blending of the two. And then some of the, like the fantasy aspects and the personifications of grief and depression and stuff like that. Like it is a very interesting title there. Um, one of the biggest gripes behind it, I would say is that the story itself is slowly trickle fed to you because it is a JRPG style game where it's turn-based combat. So you know, some people say that the turn-based combat kind of takes away from the overall fear and psychological thrill that it's giving you throughout. 
But the story points hit so hard that it kind of overrides that a bit and just makes it a very uh, intense but enjoyable experience to check out this game. So Amori is, I don't know, it's kind of a hard one to really like explain or really go into without too many spoilers. <laughs> but the one big thing that I would say about this is that there is a very traumatic event that happens. Uh, and our main character, Amori, who's also known as Sunny in the real world, uh, is dealing with some really heavy depression. And uh, we meet up with Sunny after a while in this, in just a, a white void room. And it's called the white space. It's a barren, infinitely looping white void of nothingness that's there. And if you try and escape this white void, uh, there's these red hands that come up out of nowhere and take you back into the, the room itself. Uh, the room doesn't have any bounds. It just has like a, a box there to signify that there are walls, but you're allowed to kind of walk around and check that stuff out. Now, eventually, there is a door that you seem to not be able to get out of, but that's mainly because of your main character's internal demons or internal fears. He's become a major shut-in, he's become very paranoid, and kind of scared of to leave the space. And the one one of the ways to leave the white void is to pick up a knife that you find there and actually kill yourself. Now, this is a very dark area, and it's a very uh, kind of, like I said, it's a major juxtaposition between these two scenes or two areas in which the player will you know, navigate around. There is another more vibrant space in which you actually dive into the mind of Sonny himself, and that's where you become Amori. And that's where the story starts to kind of unfold, where you remember things and start having your little adventure there of fighting cutesy little animals, like cute bunny rabbits and weird drawing stuff. Like it's a very weird art style and a weird juxtaposition. But the realm in which that you are roaming around is called the headspace. And you are trying to basically just figure out what happened in this world. Uh, what happened to Sonny? Why did he become such a major shut-in? And it's there's some like really subtle but interesting ways in the portrayal of the characters themselves. So in the headspace, everything is very colorful, very vibrant, uh, very like kawaii style, you know, like overly cutesy drawings themselves. But your character is always black and white and always has a somber look on their face. Uh, and actually, the one of the big things in the fighting styles or in the battle system itself is uh, emotions. So there's a three-point emotion system, which uh, you can change your status effects to change your emotions. And it's like rock, paper, scissors style of gameplay so different emotions uh, allow you to be stronger against different enemies that you're going to be facing so you can make yourself super sad and you'll be able to be like special or super effective against a very happy cheery thing right because you're bringing them down so it's kind of a weird way of doing it but it is uh yeah it's 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 tough and it deals a lot with uh the loss um a lot with dealing with someone dying uh, and it's there's multiple endings to this as well. It's another one of those games where it gives the player kind of an option to 
either do one thing or another, and it's going to change the aspect of the ending of the game, uh, which I think is very interesting. Uh, and I, you don't really see that a lot with titles, but I think it's a good trope to put into psychological horror games uh, because it allows the player to kind of give up <laughs> in lack of a better way of explaining it, right? Like the just... There's so many times in which your guilt or your depression feels so heavy that you just can't do anything. And I would say that after playing, especially like a JRPG that is 20 plus hours, dealing with guilt and depression, it might be so overbearing that it's like, this feels like the natural thing to do is to just kind of give up here and just let the story roll over you, right? Uh, so it is is a very strange strange story and i think that the trailers or what i saw of it originally when it first came out kind of didn't do it justice as far as how in-depth and insane this game actually is uh mm -hmm. a lot of it was just really focusing on some still frames of kind of like strange images of black and white stuff and then very cutesy vibrant things so it just looked like another rpg maker style game where there really wasn't that much depth to it. But then when you actually dive into this title, there's a lot going on and there's a lot to deal with. So I don't know. It's it's a very interesting title. And I'm kind of curious to see what your take on Amori is here. So I played a little bit of it. Um, and I kind of thought the same thing when I first saw it. I thought I was going to be another RPG Maker game that might be a little bit more artsy. Because uh, there are a few of those that are actually really good. Um, it's just trying to find those kind of games. So I just I never really paid attention to it. Uh, and then randomly, I just started hearing people bring the name up. They're like, oh, have you played Amori? Oh, Amori is one of the greatest games we played. Oh, it's one of the best RPGs in a long time. And I'm like, that game? Like, that little black and white game? Like, really? Yeah. Uh, so it's on game pass and I gave it a try and just the bit that I've played, it is pretty powerful. Um, I, I do think it's interesting how he stays colorless while everything around him is, you know, colored and the way they address a lot of these tough topics, it's done well. And I say that because there's another team that doesn't, like, in my opinion, doesn't take mental health seriously, uh, which I'll actually get to later because they're going to be discussed in this show mm -hmm. later. Um, but I think this game has the potential, you know, to be one of the big games. And it's sad because, you know, yes, it has a big following. Like, if you you look at the Steam reviews, it's got like 40,000 plus reviews. Like it's somewhat of a big game, mm -hmm. but at the same time, you just don't really hear about it like anywhere else. Like I think I only heard about it because I saw people on YouTube talking about it. And it's a bummer because I mean, the soundtrack is amazing in it. And I really do like the art style. I think it's a really interesting I take. You know, it, it does remind me of Earthbound, but I mean, anything that's modern kind of does. So I kind of hate saying that nowadays, but it's, I think it's special. 
I'll put it, I think that's a good word for it. Mm. And I say if you have Game Pass, try it out if you like it. I know RPGs can be a slog nowadays. I know people are hating turn-based games, which I can kind of understand to an extent. Um, but from what I've played at this game, I really, I, it is someone who fights depression a lot. It, it, it means something to me with this game. I know this game is a little bit more heavier than like what I've experienced, but I think it, I think it's a great little game, you know? And I mean, if all these people like are really passionate about it, you know, and it's like, people that care about not like undertale fans that are like kind of crazy um but yeah i i mean i recommend this game you know i'm that's actually one i'm i've been thinking about like actually trying to finish uh before halloween so maybe i'll do that this week i think it's funny how that becomes such a big deal whenever a game gets compared to undertale then all of a sudden everyone's like oh my god i gotta play this game now (laughs) Like it gives me the same vibes, you yeah, know? Yeah. It's just funny how that has become like a a a measuring tool, right? For for some for some people. It's like, oh, it's very undertale. Like it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, to me I try to think of like fandoms, but even then at, at the same time I'm like, mm, fandoms aren't the best, especially Undertale, so Yeah. All right, so I think it's time to get into probably one of the biggest things that when dealing with psychological horror, it's a game that you brought up a little earlier as well, but the franchise is being rebooted, and that is going to be Silent Hill. Uh, Silent Hill is coming back. They are making a remake of the second one, uh, which is, you know, coined as one of the best Silent Hill games out there as far as dealing with psychological horror in a very interesting way. But they're not just remaking Silent Hill 2. They also announced three other titles along with this, which I think is very interesting because we haven't heard anything from the Silent Hill franchise for a very long time. And then now all of a sudden, like a bombshell, everything, just here you go. Here's four games all coming out within the next couple of years. And so it's kind of crazy and i will say that out of the four there's one that actually looks interesting (laughs) and then we'll see what happens with the rest of them but maybe we can start with just uh yeah let's start with silent hill townfall so silent hill or townfall is it's kind of a weird looking game there's really not a lot that's uh given to us in the teaser trailer Uh, it shows an old school pocket television and it's clipping through some very intense scenes and conversations uh very disturbing imagery which kind of gives um it more of a traditional feel to the silent hill franchise so kind of curious to see where that one is going to go Unfortunately, there's not that much information on these guys just yet. As uh, as a, for this recording, uh, these just got announced what like a couple days ago, right? Like literally two days ago. Two yeah. days ago. So it, it, people are freaking out, trying to collect as much information as possible. Uh, but and there's some pretty big names attached to these games that are going to be coming out. 
And speaking of big names, one of the games that is going to be coming out is Silent Hill Ascension. And J.J. Abrams is actually a part of this game. Now, that's weird <laughs> when you think about it, right? Like it's it's a game. So why is J.J. Abrams a part of this? Well, Ascension is going to be a very different style. I don't think it it might not even be able to be coined as a game. It is an interactive streaming service that they're going to be making where it blends community live storytelling and interactivity uh, and that's going to be coming out in 2023 so one of the big things that they are coining and one of the catchphrases is face your trauma together so i'm very curious to see how this is going to play out what the end game is going to be like what's it's going to look like right like because the trailer itself doesn't really give us much it just has a bunch of chat scrolling through and people reacting to things that are on there so is it like a live watch horror thing you know like it's i don't know i am skeptical at best to see what is going to be happening with that one but the one i'm actually most excited about is silent hill f now silent hill f is coming uh it's actually written uh by Ryukishi 07. Uh, so Ryukishi 07 is a acclaimed Japanese writer who has made a lot of psychological horror and supernatural mysteries. Uh, and he's very famous for these things. Uh, very, very well-known author in this field. And he is helping out with the Silent Hill F series. And one of the big things that I actually really enjoy about it is that this is going to be set in 1960s Japan. So I love that idea i mean i love mm -hmm. that era like there's so much they can do there there's the idea of taking away a lot of power that some of these other silent hill games have given you where they kind of felt more like resident evil right like you have very high-powered machine weapons and things like that whereas in 1960s japan you're not gonna have that much you're gonna have a little bit less it's gonna be really it's gonna be cool and I'm hoping to see some really interesting culture there. But the the teaser trailer that came out looks gorgeous uh, as far as the animation goes. It's gorgeous and horrifying at the same time uh, with a kind of growing or overgrowing parasite-like plants that are encasing this this geisha in the the whole scene and it's just is a very impactful uh look to it that I'm, I'm very excited about but i know that you have some <clears throat> some interesting things to say about konami or about silent hill series itself <laughs> and maybe you have a different take on some of these guys but what's your uh take on these big or the fact that they dropped four games at once and what kind of games we're looking at here I'm kind of surprised. I mean, they've been quiet for so long about it. They, they have to do something. You know, it's it's weird that it's just Silent Hill and not any other other big franchises. You know, like, I, I bet I know it's October and stuff, so they're going to focus on it. But I'm just thinking, like, damn, like Metal Gear Solid, you know, all these other Konami properties. And it's like, wow, we get all of this Silent Hill at once. I mean, a new movie and all this. And... Right off the bat, I think the one I'm most excited for, um, I mean, Silent Hill F sounds great. Like, I think that that's going to be amazing because it's more set in, like, 
folklore and stuff over there, which I think that they might have a better take on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great in that sense because I find folklore, folk horror interesting when it's done right. And I always have been interested in Japanese folklore specifically. So excited about that. But the one I'm most excited about, even though nothing's been really said about it, it's probably Townfall. Mm. Um, big reason for that is because, I mean, Annapurna and No Code. Uh, no Code, they have two games, and they're surprisingly really damn good. Um, I've played Stories Untold a little bit, and that game is really good for what it is. You know, it's... it. It's mostly like puzzle horror, but it's like psychological too, atmospheric, because, you know, you're watching these VHS tapes mm-hmm. and it's like puzzles and it's it's fascinating. I'll say it that way. It's it's very different. It's usually goes on sale to be really cheap for anybody out there interested in seeing what these guys can do. But to a game that more people might find interesting, uh, they did Observation which not to be confused with Observer, which is by the team that also is doing another Silent Hill. Uh, Observation is a sci-fi thriller, psychological horror game set in space. Um, Think Alien, but more horrifying because it's more atmospheric. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't played it. I watched it. it. It looks phenomenal. Like, it looks great. Yeah. Um, I, from what I've heard, it's kind of a slow burn, but it, it just, I mean, the graphics alone, it look great. Um, it's definitely one I want to actually like sit down and try. Cause I think it's won a BAFTA award as well. It's got really high awards. Um, and it looks great. So I, I trust them to do a good job with Silent Hill. I mean, who knows? what townfall is you might you might be saving silent hill like i don't know something weird um and then we got the what people might be thinking is like an arg like an augment or alternate role-playing like game where it's all like you know the community based and when i heard behavior was behind it i was like oh god it's gonna be like a dead by daylight kind of game mm-hmm you know, because I mean, that's that's all that they do. So it it would make sense. But seeing how they presented it and how they talked about it, it sounds interesting. And they made it seem like, oh, it's going to be where all of us as a whole will be able to change the story live, you know, without being able to see the rest of it. But I think because that sounds almost unrealistic, especially for people that will want to play it again or, you know, people that won't be able to play it right away. I think what it means is like you might get thrown into a server with like 30, 50 other people and it'll be almost like a watch party kind of thing where you make choices and stuff, you know, like that. that's what I'm thinking it's going to be, which, you know, it it doesn't sound as gratifying as a game. I mean, it probably it still is a game technically, but not like what people think. 
but it'd be still cool. You know, think about watching a movie with like a hundred other people and you guys can all make the decision of what, what you want the story to be. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people don't like that because a lot of people will just troll and pick the worst options every time. Yeah. But it'd be still fun. You know, think about, oh, if you if you want to view it with friends or your community, like it's it's a cool idea. And I I'm very curious about that. Um and Silent Hill too. So James looks weird. I'm just going to say that first off. Like, for some reason, they made his face just look different. And the graphics look great otherwise. Uh, Bloober team, I I don't hate them as much as a lot of other people do for some reasons. But I will acknowledge what people say about them. Um if you, if for people that don't know, Bloober Team did the layers of Fear game, Blair Witch, Observer, and the Medium, all really interesting games. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing that a lot of people that are very into horror and into mental health will say is that they do a really bad job at portraying mental health in their games. And a lot of times they'll kind of show the struggles, but their solutions to the issues are not the best. You know, I'm not going to say which game it was because it is kind of a spoiler, but there's a scene where, you know, you can succumb to your mental illness and kill yourself. And they kind of make it sound like, oh, like that was the only option you really had because you'd never get better kind of thing. You know, like Mm. there's, there's things or you know Blair Witch this isn't a spoiler cuz it's announced early on but you have PTSD and they kind of like make it sound like the person can never get better kind of thing which and you know maybe they're adding it to the horror aspect as it being frightening but at the same time it's kind of like the attitude towards it and i know the medium had that too i think the only one i didn't see people complain about was observer Uh, but all the other ones people said they had some issues with. So for me, that's the one thing that I'm kind of worried about with Silent Hill 2 because it deals with traumas, it deals with feelings, fears, it deals with like the human psyche, right? Like every monster in that is metaphorical to a trauma or something that they did or endured. And I bet Konami is going to put them on a tight leash. You know, it's it's probably going to be exactly word for word for the most part, just, you know, upscaling. They might add some more to it, you know, and I'm down for that. I'd be interested to see maybe certain things that were kind of left undone in that game and expand upon it. Because, I mean, who wouldn't want more content like that? And... So I'm I'm going into it like, you know, I'm still going to be dumb and probably buy a day one because that's just how I am with it. But I'm still like, okay, I want to, I'm nervous about it to an extent. But at the same time, I know when it comes out, I'm probably going to just look right past that and I'll be super interested in it. And I don't know, I'm even though it's it's like that, I'm still excited. And, you know, Silent Hill in general for me has always been my favorite over Resident Evil. 
Uh, I know the Resident Evil showcase was right after Silent Hill the next day, and Resident Evil 4 looks fucking good. Yeah. Excuse my language. Um, I never, I, I played for a while in the original, but this game just looks beautiful. Like it, it looks fun. And I know this is going more into the action base, so I'll keep it short, but they just make it seem so badass with this remake that I'm like, okay, maybe I will give it a try again. Like it's, it's interesting, you know, it's cool seeing these two old franchises kind of, well, I mean, at least with Resident Evil, they're thriving. You know, I'm hoping Silent Hill thrives too. Yeah. Um, since both franchises had really like a bad slump. So, I don't know. It's cool. You know, like like we said earlier with indie horror, it's it really rejuvenated things. And there's some that just really are just so different for good or for worse. Um and you know, one of uh, the one game I meant to talk about earlier that I forgot the name of, but I'll bring it up real quick, uh, was Iron Lung. Mm. Uh, this was a game I tried very recently because I heard everyone talking about it, and it's uh, from New Blood, which to me I feel like a lot of their horror games are very interesting. You know, you got Dusk, which is like Doom. Uh, Faith just came out, which is kind of like an old school. MS DOS kind of looking game, maybe even before that, like Amiga kind of graphics. Um, and then Iron Lung is really interesting because picture Subnautica, right? The game that where you're under the ocean, you know, building things, but you just need to keep diving deeper and you live. I guess you consider that kind of psychological. I mean, a lot of people are afraid of underwater, right. um, especially in the dark. And the game is freaky. I will say with headphones on in the dark, game does get freaky. But with Iron Lung, you are in the deep sea and you're in a very, very small little, I don't even think it's a submarine. They call it a bathysphere. Uh, and it's just, you know, a bunch of pipes around you. It's a little circle. You have a tiny little window that you can open up to look outside you have a little like map that you chart and basically you know it's it doesn't seem like it's open world but when you open the window it'll show like images and stuff and basically you explore this underwater terror you know and it's obviously claustrophobic because you're in this small little circle and to me there may not be a whole lot there but what is there is crazy and to an extent you know you you could sit there and be like oh this is kind of boring you're in one space the whole time but that fear of being claustrophobic and underwater it's interesting how it's so different from a lot of other games you know when you look at horror games you you, you wouldn't think about being stuck in a little submarine but it, right. but you are and it I don't know. I just love it. Like I'm, I'm really excited to see where the horror genre goes with games, especially the psychological part. Cause we're starting to see the evolution in like in film with horror. And I'm excited to see where it goes with games. If, if silent Hill and the new resident evil, like help expand on that. Great. If they don't, well, you know, the indie universe 
is going to carry it just like they have been for the past almost two decades. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it. And every year there's always like a tons of new games and there's even tons that we don't know about. You go on itch.io and they have their own horror thing. And it's like, there's so many good ones on there that are not even on steam that no one really like knows about unless some big YouTuber plays it. But that's the joy. Like for me, finding a good horror gem is more fascinating than finding some other like hidden gem game because there's so many out there that are just waiting to be discovered. And thankfully with how easy the internet is, we can find it. But you know, I like horror all year long, so I'm always ready for it. Hell yeah. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. I hope you guys have enjoyed our little chat here on psychological horror games. And we are going to be continuing on with our spoopy month uh, with the episode after this as well. And that's actually going to come out on Halloween. So be on the lookout for that. All right. But until then, we will talk to you later. And bye for now. <laughs>